0: Welcome to the D-Printer Movies Podcast, my name is Stephen T. Hanley, I'm the founder and lead creator of D-Printer Movies, we are a pop-up cinema based in London. Today on the podcast I'm joined by the British actor Ben Whishaw. Ben is an incredible actor who's been doing amazing work for so many years now, we've always been a huge fan of his performances and his film choices. Ben is a really sweet guy, as you'll hear. It was super interesting for me to hear about how he started in film and what it was like walking into those huge productions as such a young actor. During the podcast, I mentioned one of Ben's roles which I called a very British scandal The TV miniseries is called A Very English Scandal, just in case you're trying to find it on BBC or Netflix, and as I said on the podcast, that performance is simply incredible. So beautiful, so vulnerable, just a knockout performance. Okay, here's me and the great Ben Whishaw. How you doing?
1: I'm not too bad. How are you, Stephen?
0: I'm good. I'm good. This is earliest I've ever done a podcast. So
1: I know it's ridiculously early. I'm really grateful. <laughs> I was feeling the same. This is not an hour I thought I'd be seeing on today, but anyway, I, it was my call. Um, thank you.
0: No, it's all good. I was yeah. I'm not a morning person. I was trying to frantically print my notes this morning and then realized I was I, I was plugged into my label printer not my actual printer and my girlfriend's like, what the fuck are you doing that's the label printer for the merch <laughs> I was like, so i'd probably have like 50 wish or questions on stickers As stickers Brilliant. yeah
1: you need me to you need me to record it on here too is that what you said
0: yeah that'd be great then we can just get two channels of audio
1: okay and just on a voice m- memo thing
0: perfect yeah begin yeah Here we go cool cool so what movies did you grow up watching what films made an impact on you
1: jesus um honestly it was like disney musicals (laughs) as a kid you know right they were the first things i saw yeah um i mean as a kid i remember i just was obsessed with mary poppins and oliver twist oliver the musical and then i think as a as a teenager, I don't really remember watching films that much. It was kind of something that I got into later on in life a bit. Um, when um, I, st- I was as a, as a teenager or as a younger person, I was completely obsessed with theatre,
0: right. which
1: is what I got. Um, yeah. And it was really only um, I think I was like in my 20s when I really properly discovered the films that I now really love. And that was because someone told me if I wanted to work in films, I I needed to watch films (laughs) and understand films a bit better. Um, And then I worked with some, you know, I started to work with directors and they would give me things to watch. um, Stuff that had inspired them and influenced them. But yeah, I didn't grow up in a very like uh, filmy or arty environment, particularly.
0: So if it wasn't movies, what let's say what stage play really had an impact on you?
1: Well, as I said, I, I didn't really grow up um, being taken to the theater. But then I, when I was a teenager, I went to this. Well, my dad took me to this youth theater. <laughs> um, and the man who ran the youth theater at the town near where I lived, brilliant man called Rory Reynolds and he used to take me to the theatre and he took me to see incredible things. This is in the 90s and he took, not just me, he took the whole lot of us to see um, plays and he used to take us to the Royal Court which at the time, um, the Royal Court Theatre and at the time was doing amazing work by people like Sarah Kane and... um, People that are now, I think they're sort of lumped under the thing, like in-your-face theatre, which is a horrible horrible term, but kind of um, quite brutal, quite shocking, uh, (laughs) explicit plays, Mm -hmm. which is hilarious, really, when I I, I look back on it. Um, But I remember being taken to see a play called Blasted by Sarah Kane, and I was a teenager, maybe 15, Um, and I didn't know what had hit me. It was so... uh, I didn't know what to make of it at all. And I think I probably uh, disliked it because it was so, it was so unusual. So. Um,
0: was that the one set in the hotel room? It's set one? in a hotel yeah. room.
1: and With the it's,
0: army vet, is that the army veteran or? Yeah, there's a kind of, there is a
1: man and a woman in the hotel room and then suddenly, or well, not suddenly, slowly the whole thing kind of fractures and, And we're no longer quite in the hotel room, although we are. And suddenly a soldier comes in and um, everything collapses and um, all manner of uh, horrific things uh, happen in this hotel room. Mm -hmm. I think she wrote it inspired by the Bosnian War. I guess that would have been at the time. And yeah, but I guess she's exploring you know how, how the the fine line between these between civilization and total anarchy and chaos and everything like that but um i remember that there's a scene when someone eats a dead baby
0: yeah i remember um, that being in the <laughs> headlines and causing walkouts and stuff when yeah exactly played.
1: so so yeah got taken to see things like that got taken to see strange experimental Physical theater stuff that it was really an education I guess in um that that this this man gave us or in um theater and literature and all sorts of things art and um God yeah I mean I, 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 as I get older, I feel more and more grateful for that because I really don't know if I would be doing what I'm doing now if it were not for those experiences then you know
0: yeah, I always think about those people who turned me on to things, or teachers who made me a list in college of you're doing cool stuff, but do your homework and check out the influences of uh, directors you like now. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking I first saw you in, my first memory of you is in Nathan Barley. And I remember (laughs) feeling terribly sorry for you throughout the entire series, because you were just constantly getting pranked and tortured. Yeah, I, um, that was like
1: one of the first jobs I ever did out of, um, you know, drama school. And um, again, looking back, like what an amazing um, piece of good luck to get to work with um, Chris Morris on something like that so early in my in my work. Um, yeah, I haven't watched that show for many years, and I and I know that at the time it. Maybe wasn't as underst- as understood as people were hoping it would be, but I think now it's got a real uh, loyal following, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's just way ahead of its time. Even yeah. down to his ridiculous phone is basically for <laughs> iPhone. When he's like, DJ Jack's camera, MP3, where's yours? And it's like, that's the iPhone right there. That's. That's Every obnoxious isn't... person just playing loud music <laughs> on buses and stuff. <laughs> I think if yeah. that came out in a year's a year later when like hipster wankers were really such a big thing in popular culture, then that
1: Yeah. I remember people thinking this isn't real, this is not what people are like. Yeah, no, it, it really kind is of Go- prophetic, <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Go to any media yeah. meeting in Shoreditch, this is absolutely bang on to the culture. Yeah. Yeah. How was he as a uh, director?
1: Um, I remember him being amazing. Um, I mean, of course. And actually really gentle. Um, and I remember that it was, it was um, incredibly extensively workshopped, the whole thing. It took months and months and months. I mean, again, looking back, I had nothing to compare it to really at the time. But looking back, I see that that was quite an unusual and extraordinary way to work. Um, ex- extremely um, exacting person, um, but but given how um, savage <laughs> most of his work is, he as a as a person was extremely gentle. Um, I, I, I really I, I loved him. Um, yeah, God, I haven't thought about that in
0: a long time. Which came first, Hamlet or Nathan Barley? Nathan Barley. Okay.
1: Yeah, Nathan Barley, I literally, I think I finished drama school and, and, and went straight into that. And then Hamlet came, I don't know. <laughs> oh, 2004. No, that's, wrong. that's completely wrong. I was doing them both at the same time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I was doing them both at the same time. But the, the, the workshopping of Nathan Barley went on so long that because um, it, be, it began, we began workshopping it in. The summer of t- 2003 and then i think we filmed it in the summer of 2004 when i was also doing hamlet so i would do hamlet at night and then go and do that during
0: the day that's that's wild to remember that's Jesus. crazy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it'd be so great if you got your scripts mixed up
1: <laughs> i think i <they> probably did <laughs> to be fair
0: but this was a huge production you got people say now it's the definitive version of Hamlet, wildly acclaimed at the time and am i right you have uh it was a big deal that someone as young as you was playing the prince of denmark yeah i think
1: it, it was quite a big deal i think other young people had played it but they, they they'd been established actors in some way whereas i was completely unknown and um I think that was surprising to people. Um, Again, I haven't really thought about this in ages, but I think um, that was one of those amazing things that I feel just, like, blessed, that I was in the right place at the right time and had that opportunity. Um, And, again, I remember not really being aware of quite what it was i was <laughs> taking on i mean the, the 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 scale of it all it was at the old vic theatre and which has this illustrious history and so many other people have played the character on that stage and blah 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 but i wasn't really aware of it and um, i just really felt like i understood that role i didn't even i didn't even remember thinking about it much i was just like yeah get this guy I completely get it. I know this person completely. Um, everything he feels, I feel. It all was quite, uh, I wouldn't, not, not easy, but it came, something about it came naturally to me, um, which doesn't happen, I, I see now very often, <laughs> um, now that I've been acting for longer. But with that role, it just, I just, yeah, felt very, um, I was like, oh, this is mine. I completely I completely know this
0: somehow. What elements of a character do you think you were relating to or empathizing with?
1: (laughs) It probably sounds really corny, but just a general sense of being misunderstood, not fitting in hating myself, thinking too much, a sense of being really young but also really old at the same time um, and
0: mm, stuff like that.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So then, wow, you on a run, man. 2006, perfume. That was huge.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that's, again, so
1: I think when I when I did that film, well, Tom Tiktva, who is this wonderful director of Perfume, um, he came to see Hamlet, and I think they'd been searching for someone to play this <laughs> this uh, central character, and he saw Hamlet and thought that. And again, I was really not a, a name or a star or anything, and it's wild to me now to think that they thought they could fund a film on someone so unknown. Um, but he came to see the show and got me to audition for the character. Um, and Tom was someone who was like, you've got to see more films and <laughs> gave me loads of stuff to watch. Um, and really, because he's seen everything that ever was. He's a real cinephile. Is that the word? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um uh, yeah, so that I, I absolutely adored that that character. Again, uh, that was another one that I just was like, "Yeah, I know this guy." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not not literally, obviously, but like something inside I got. I just uh, I felt I understood, identified with.
0: I was watching that. Yesterday and the scale is so epic. The yeah. cinematography um hundred and four I remember well, I saw that in like a um a VU in Shepherd's Bush and it was crazy looking back to see the way the film world has changed. But I saw a hundred and forty seven minute long sixty million German production of a murderous French <laughs> perfumist in the eighth century
1: at the view yeah Yeah.
0: good time on a friday night main screen that's
1: that's really awesome um yeah i remember that was um that was overwhelming to me because of as you say the scale and i remember actually it would still be overwhelming to me now to be fair but you know we were filming in places like Barcelona, and they would close down (laughs) half this, you know, half half one quarter of the city, the Gothic quarter, whatever it's called, and what felt like hundreds of extras. The whole place transformed into Paris filth, horses, an entire universe, um, you know, created. I just remember being driven to the set and being put down there and just being um, completely dazzled by the kind of way it had all been imagined, the richness of it all. Um, it was a different time, wasn't it, Stephen? Like, you couldn't... I think, like, you couldn't really make that... That I wonder if you'd, that film would be made now... No. Um, ...quite that way. And um, it doesn't... Yeah, I think so too. Um
0: that's one of the reasons we started programming and showing movies. One of, one of we had a little list of, because obviously there's so many, mo- when I started off, there were so many movies to pick from. And I just stay up at night picking movies in my head. And then I was like, no, let's make a rule. Like, is this on Netflix or streaming or whatever? No. And the, one of the other big rules were, was, would this ever be made now? And given yeah. the budgets or scales, or even exactly. stuff like when I was watching all like the Witt Stillman movies and stuff, I was like, no yeah. one would fund this guy now for his, <laughs> you know, yeah. N- New York intellectual slash coming exactly. th- coming of age movies and stuff. But but I guess the revenue streams aren't there because um, um we we're talking about. I was getting, I'm getting a tattoo of a DVD logo on my arm, <laughs> and Great. I was really serious. People, people think I'm just like, you know, like I'm being a meme or something. But I was like, no. The the DVD era was the most beautiful time in movies when yeah. audio audio commentaries, big epic making ofs, where you had a budget to follow, like the Magnolia making of, where it's from the beginning of the shoot to the end.
1: Oh well, I've never seen that.
0: Oh, that's a great one to watch, man. You're just literally following Paul Thomas Anson lose his mind for 90 days as he descends into his biggest movie ever, but... Yeah, that era, because you had the film revenue, the DVD revenue, the rental revenue, and so like a middle-class indie, like Perfume or Ghost World, all the Whit Stillman movies did, you know, yeah, could have a fight in this and um, yeah, make some money back.
1: Yeah, and then around two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, it all just changed, didn't it? That's how it felt to me, anyway.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, yes. Yeah. It, it was, it was, it was crazy to me when you start reading about David Cronenberg can't get his crazy body horror movie made <laughs> and stuff, yeah. and you're like, that guy's a genius. So, like Larry Clark not being able to. Yeah, find his indie movies and stuff it was uh but yeah that mid 90s to the mid 2000s was a great great time agreed i remember this is ridiculous to tell you but when i was in film school in the writing class we had to adapt a scene from a book <laughs> so obviously i picked the orgy scene in perfume to adapt <laughs> into <laughs> into a into script a, section a scene
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You just you just have to write the screenplay, and then wow, that's cool. And and then get people to read it out in class. <laughs> and then <sighs> I I I have no idea why I just I just didn't do Catcher in the Rye or someone just like everyone else. But I was like, no, I think this is a really amazing scene, and I it is. Yeah. But
1: you set yourself a a difficult job there.
0: What the? Because f- there's yeah. no. <laughs>
1: there's hardly any dialogue is there there's nothing.
0: no just really graphic it's just <laughs> 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 no I, I really enjoyed where the dropping of uh was it the handkerchief or yes about you? yeah i had a really fun yeah. thing in that and then but without context of a movie yes pretty totally
1: wild
0: <laughs> yeah yeah totally <laughs> bizarre con- well, it's,
1: wide, it's a wild scene in context let alone now yeah there. yeah
0: yeah, But it was funny looking back and watching. I only remembered when I watched it back yesterday. And I was like, okay, yeah. These guys really nailed my work right here. <laughs> <laughs> How does it feel having Paddington being the best-reviewed film of all time? (laughs) Have you read about this, that you've got the...
1: Yeah, someone, people have been sending me things. Um, um, Yeah, it's, it's, they found some, (laughs) they found some, one lone bad review of Citizen Kane, didn't they? Yeah. Which not, which meant that that could no longer hold the top position. (laughs) Yeah. Hilarious. Um, but every single reviewer that there is liked Paddington too.
0: It's beautiful. Funny, yeah, it's such a great. <laughs> those movies are so great.
1: Yeah. Um, well, it feels really lovely. I mean, that was such a kind of. Um, it all felt that whole uh, the whole experience of being involved in those films feels strange to me because I was. Brought in very very late in the process. Oh really? Um, yeah, of the first of the first one, and um, I think I was in the middle of doing something else. I didn't have a lot of time. I'd done, um, well, I'd auditioned and tried to do um, voice work for animation before, and I thought I was shit at it. So I had no, I had no wish to be involved. I was like, I can't do this stuff. It's, I don't have the skill or whatever it is that's required. I don't want to be involved, but they they kept asking me to come back and do another audition and blah, blah, blah. And then they said, yeah, we want you to do it. We want you to do it. And the film has to come out in November. So I was just sort of thrown in and had no idea if it was my voice was going to work with this bear and blah, blah, blah. and um, So, but it did. And now it's become this huge phenomenon in a way. Um, but I feel it was all very last minute and um i mean not with the second one we did have more time with the second film to to do it exactly as paul king the director brilliant brilliant director wanted but um the first one certainly i just was trying to catch up i guess
0: why were they so late were they just trying to find the right voice for paddington were they shopping different actors or um
1: they had someone already, they had Colin Firth already, and that didn't work out, I'm sure. I've spoken to Colin Firth about this, so this is all out and out un, un, unknown. But yeah, and actually I think Colin decided he wasn't right and was telling them, I'm not right for this. <laughs> and then very late in the day, um, they all kind of agreed that he wasn't quite right and that they needed another kind of voice. Um, so yeah, I think that happened but those films are brilliant because of Paul King and again a bit like um a bit like Chris Morris Paul is so uh exacting like every joke every beat every moment has to work completely for him and he he won't sort of um he beats himself up and and is endlessly scrutinizing it all um uh, until he's got it i think especially with the second one I, uh, he was i think he was just dis- intent on getting every moment um perfect and every strand of the plot to be perfect and um i so admire that the the, the craft and the care um yeah, I think people might think I, I I think he makes it look easy and it yeah. wasn't
0: easy. Yeah, Yeah, I think people um, underestimate how hard it is to make a really nice family movie. I suppose you can just kind of put them in the cheesy, easy watch category, but there's so much more for those movies that really take a place Damn. in your heart as a kid and stuff. There's definitely some Magic to them, yeah. which gets overlooked.
1: I think so. And I think they're kind of. People find them genuinely touching and hilarious yeah. and everything else. You know, it's not. They're not just. Uh, they're not just cheesy or trite or whatever. They kind of have something that's genuinely moving at the, at the, at the, at the, at the center of them. So that's that's really all down to Paul and everyone, of course, but but mainly Paul. <laughs> he was amazing.
0: I knew it in the Mary Poppins remake as
1: well. I was well, and that was yeah, that was an amazing thing for me because I so adored <laughs> I so adored Mary <laughs> Poppins as a kid, and I'm really pleased that I had the opportunity to uh, to see what that universe is like. You know, Disney. <laughs> that's quite wild.
0: I I remember meeting Lin-Manuel in London when he was on set. And all I wanted to talk to him about was his minor role in The Sopranos. (laughs) uh,
1: I didn't even know he was in The Sopranos.
0: Yeah, he's in one scene. And um, he said that James Gandalf... I remember him saying that I think he was really relieved that no one wanted to talk about fucking Hamilton with him for once, which was... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think I was like, Hey man, I really love oh Here we go. And I was like, is like Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he, he said that James Gandolfini was really sweet. And that, um, when his side of coverage was finished, um, he waited around for Lynn's side to be shot so he can bounce off, which he then told me that, um, um, for listeners, who don't know, I think if, if Am I right? If if we shoot your coverage, one side talking to me, sometimes the actor can't be asked to hang about for the other side of the coverage to be shot. Is that right?
1: Well, to be completely honest, I have never personally experienced that. But yes, I hear that that does happen.
0: Right. Maybe
1: with, maybe with really big actors.
0: Right. Um, most, most people do hang around.
1: Everyone that I've worked with. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> around, yeah. <laughs> because I, yeah, but but certainly I have heard stories where um people have done their entire performance essentially
0: to, talking to, to no nothing, one. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was saying um, that he was really touched that it was a small scene, and I think it was it was really late. They were running late, and James was like, "No, let's come, let's do this, man. I'm with you. Let's just stick around." And that that's poorly. Very cool. Poorly offered him so much unwanted acting advice. Just 24. 24- really? Yeah. Just really like, listen here, kid, here's the thing about the movie. <laughs> and he's like, bang you, but I don't know why you're telling, telling me all this, but I, I think I appreciate it. And how, how was it stepping into the role of Q? That's a huge budget legendary franchise. Iconic role. Um, I mean, do you get nervous going into a franchise of this scale? Or then again, from one of your first roles was Perfume, so maybe you're already used to used to the <laughs> huge scales.
1: I think sometimes I go into things,
0: I mean, maybe most
1: of the time go into things pretty ignorant or, 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 um, or just unaware, really, of the of what it is I'm, a, I'm stepping into. And I think that was the case with Bond, because of, of course I'd seen Bond films, but I wasn't a, an aficionado. I wasn't, I hadn't seen every single one of them. I wasn't really aware of the scale of, you know, obsession surrounding those films. So, um I just met Sam Mendes, and um he'd seen an, another film uh that I'd been in called Bright Star about John keats, the poet john keats and I, he was a real f- um fan of that film, and he was rejuvenating those roles q and money penny and um M. And and he asked he asked me to do it. So I was like I, I I'd watched Sam's work since I was really young. I was I just said yes. I would love you know <laughs> I would love to do it. But I wasn't really thinking about the whole of fifty years of Bond films that had gone before and the incredible performances that people had grown up with and which is just as well probably. Um, but yeah, sometimes now when I. Think about it; I get anxious because there is an obligation to give people what they want. You know, people go to those films for some for specific things, mm-hmm. don't they? And yeah. they're only happy to have it uh, played with a tiny bit. They basically want the thing that they know they're going to get. Yeah. Um, so, um, anyway, yeah, it's it is scary to be honest. <laughs>
0: So, I was just thinking going back with Perfume, how was it when you walked on set for the first time to something of that scale, considering that was one of your first mo- movies and you're the lead character, you're carrying the film? I remember being terrified. I remember being so.
1: Actually, this has stopped happening now, but. Because I think I've. Well, I'm just older and been doing it for longer and. sorts of other things but i used to get terrible um stomach pains Mm. um on every job at some point i'd i'd um i'd be absolutely um unable to walk or stand up with this kind of pain in my uh, gut um and i remember before the very first day before the, 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 before the very first day of shooting perfume i had i was <laughs> afflicted with this thing again um and it was just uh terror i think um and i didn't sleep and i probably didn't eat and i just probably smoked <laughs> um uh my way through the first few days um but i remember distinctly we started um shooting the scenes with um, Dustin Hoffman. Um, and he was absolutely wonderful to me and um, gave me amazing advice that I still remember um, and think about a lot, actually. Because um, he would say things like... So I'd be, in a, I'd be in the middle of a take and I'd screw it up or something would go wrong and I'd sort of drop out of the scene or, you know, ask to go again. And Dustin would say things like, no, 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 no. Keep going. It's all about the mistakes. It's all about the things going wrong that you hadn't planned for, that you hadn't anticipated. Keep going, which I think is such... uh, It was just so true. Um, all the best things are mistakes, really. <laughs> Not all the best things, but some of the best things are the things that just happen that either go wrong or that are unexpected or something like that. Um, and I remember him also saying, "You're you're from the theatre, Ben, so you think that you have to uh, get every take. You have to get every take right, sure. like you're do- giving a performance in the theater. Because um, of course, in the theatre, you can't go back and
0: <laughs> yeah, was do no that speech one. again. Yeah,
1: <laughs> um, so you have to keep going. But that's not the case with film. So he's like, you know, you just you just go again. We just go again. Do another take, and that's um, that's really extraordinarily liberating. And I watched him doing exactly that. You know, he. He just, it was a, again, I haven't thought about this in such a long time, but he um, just plays, but really plays, just makes stuff up, tries every single thing that comes into his head. Yeah, he, um, there's a kind of freedom about what he's doing that I realised is sort of um, the key to acting on film, I think, or maybe just acting generally.
0: When do you think he stopped? freaking out was there a particular moment where you just thought fuck it i've got this or was it just a gradual process of doing more and more productions or how did you work for it
1: i think um it was connected to other things in my life and i think i just i think i worked more i got a bit older um I calmed down a bit, (laughs) Um, I learnt to enjoy what I was doing more rather than feeling a kind of, I I remember always feeling a sense of, a sense of dread, (laughs) dread mingled with great pleasure but always a sense of dread about acting, it's like, it's absolutely overwhelmingly terrifying (laughs) sometimes. um, and I think just slowly uh, it's become I, and i still feel i still feel doing it like a kind of i do still feel a sort of terror, but I think that's essential to doing it somehow um and is entwined with 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 pleasure so you can't really separate the two things um but yeah slowly the 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 stomach cramps just stopped, which is good.
0: Serge, when did you meet Anil? Was I on beat? or before
1: um, I met Anil through my friend Jack um, they went to school together and I was at drama school with Jack um, and I met him I don't know at a pub or something probably in my early 20s and sort of saw him around and vaguely knew him and I think I did a bit in one of his student films um I always thought he was a really lovely guy and made me laugh. Um, and then in 2012 or whenever it was, he was like, would you consider coming to do this thing with me? I think it's going to be a kind of music video. It was all quite vague.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and he described what this character at the centre of this little thing was. And I was like, that sounds interesting. Um And then we went and shot this short film, which became Beat, um, on the streets of Hackney. And it was just the most joyous thing. Um, Just two days. um, But we were in real locations. We went into supermarkets and cafes and stuff.
0: Were you stealing shots?
1: (laughs) Sorry? Were you stealing shots?
0: Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes
1: I think we told people, like, well, we're going to... I think sometimes we got permission. But sometimes I'd be at a bus stop or something and no one would know that I was in a film and they'd be filming me from across the way, across the street. Yeah. Um, So it was very... (laughs) And I'd be, you know, behaving strangely and uh, freaking out or whatever it was. (laughs) And Neil wanted me to do. And then he just he was just watching and capturing the these moments, and I we both I think we both finished making that short film, and felt like even though it was a, a brief experience, that it would it, I don't know it stayed with us both. Um, and then um, and then some years passed, and and Neil had this idea of um, I think he'd been doing some research into. People who um, hold up banks.
0: <laughs> right.
1: And um, the research that revealed that often people who do this have never ever thought about doing it before, um, haven't even, it's, it's not preempted, it's not, um, uh, they, they, they do it because of other circumstances in their lives and they find themselves quite unexpectedly. <laughs> holding up a bank um and um they're not you know hardened criminals they don't know what the hell they're doing basically um and he was quite fascinated by this um concept and so he started to write a film about sort of took the character from beat and put it put it in this situation of um bank robberies And he sent this to me and I was like, yeah, that's really, that's quite interesting. And then slowly over years, it shifted and changed and it became less about bank robberies and more about other things. And it, but it was, yeah, it was a sort of slow, organic process. And then, yeah, two years ago, we found ourselves making it. And I was sort of involved in, um, not writing, but he'd send me the, the, um, drafts of the script and we'd go back and forth and share our ideas. And whenever it started to become, I actually haven't seen the film yet. um, So I don't really know how much we pulled this off, but whenever it started to become too much like a thriller or too sort of easily graspable or uh, too structured or too, Something we we sort of make it lo-fi again, you know, make it very. Um <laughs> it's sort of a film that revolves around tiny moments, um, tiny things going wrong, or um, and I like that about it. It's very, it's got, it's kind of quite miniature. Um, it's not, um, yeah. I think lo-fi is what Anil, how Anil would describe it. So anyway, yeah, it was it was definitely one of my favorite ever experiences i had the most wonderful time doing it with
0: with him you'll be happy to know the film's fantastic and it came out very well
1: oh, I'm, I'm pleased you feel that stephen yeah some i'm
0: yeah, going to watch great. it in the it's, next couple of weeks yeah the one of my favorite things was the ambiguity and the things unsaid and yeah. but how how was it um, your character feels so compressed. I-, I almost felt it felt like a slinky that you've just pressed down and then you're just suddenly <laughs> you know, firing off and going on this nocturnal odyssey of mayhem crime, exploration, freedom. Yeah. How was it being so Wired and tense throughout an entire because sh- the film's set pretty much set in one day, so how is yeah it, how is it maintaining that energy? It
1: felt really great. <laughs> um, it felt really great to do. Um, I think it felt great because it's not intellectual in any way. It's not that there's nothing. There's nothing. He's not acting. R- rationally is not um it's not cerebral it's not um in any way to do with uh his mind you know that's what he's trying to escape i suppose um so it's all about um the body and i in a weird way it was more like being a dancer or something like that it was extremely um it was extremely uh, about physicality and about sensation, um, how things felt, um, and that was so joyful to do. Um, and there was no, <laughs> there, were, there were there were no limits. There was no limitations on what we could could do. Um, uh, it was it was. It was, it was joyous. It didn't ever feel... That, oh, the, the bits that were hardest to do were the bits when um, he hasn't kind of uh, broken out of his uh, compressed, slinky state. Those are the hardest things. Right. Like the, the dinner with the parents and the stuff at the airport. Because then he, when he's got that kind of weight on him, that's quite... That was not so nice to inhabit. But everything else was... Um, felt so good um yeah so i hope that translates you know
0: absolutely um yeah but um the details in your character is amazing you've got so many kind of agitating and odd mannerisms from the way you drink (laughs) to the fork um grinding along your teeth Mm. how did you come about with those details I think
1: um, <laughs> some of that stuff is is, is I think from Anil, um, and he had written those things quite specifically in the script, and I have no idea <laughs> where on earth they come from in Anil. But yeah, the stuff of like grinding my teeth on a glass or a fork—that um, was. That was definitely an, an, eel, an eel thing. Um, and other things, he'd go, you did something with your jaw. Do that again. Right. <laughs> he'd, he'd just spot, you know, because at some point I wasn't even really aware of what I was doing. Um, so he would just, he'd, he'd spot little things and uh, want more of it or less of it. or, um, And we'd go that way. And we also, I worked a little bit with a choreographer friend of Anil's about, about how to pitch certain things and how to, I think we called it when, he, when Joseph is surging <laughs> and how to sort of get him up to maximum surge.
0: What were you watching for inspiration? Did, he, did you guys discuss any movies or acting roles?
1: God, I feel like we did. And now I'm going to forget. Um, he's, I mean, ah, oh, damn, what's it called? And Neil sent me a very uh, disturbing film. I think it's called The Mole. Does that ring a bell to you, Stephen? No. All right, let me Google. <laughs> I think it's a Scandinavian film it was a It was about five or six years ago, and it's now gone from my mind but it's it 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 was a reference because it's a film that basically follows one man very closely uncomfortably closely, and that was what Anil wanted us to do um but other than that not we didn't really talk about films that oh there was no that's not true he also showed me um um, a film, an Iranian filmmaker. Now, what's his name? Um, Panahi. Oh. Panahi. Does that the name? Yeah. Oh God, my brain. The, the
0: mirror. Is. It wasn't the mirror.
1: It was another one. It was again set over a night in a in a, in Iran, I think. Um, Jaffa Panahi. Is that yeah. the name of the director? Yeah. Um, we watched one of his films. Um and that was actually wonderful because again it was a film where nothing really happens, like no there's nothing nothing obviously dramatic or nothing um it it, it nothing too organized, it's just sort of like random <laughs> chaos happening in a city. And um that's also something that Anil really wanted to capture uh the, the sense of London, of, of the city. Um, yeah, those were two things that we we did discuss a little bit. Um, and then I think also another thing that happened over time is that as we were sort of developing, well, as Anil was developing the, the film, is that it became more about, um, less about a man who commits a crime and more about someone God, this is I hate to use this word, but it became more more spiritual in a way. <laughs> I don't know another word to use, but like about about um someone trying to be uh present. So hard to talk about these things without sounding. No, but really I totally awful. comes across. I totally get that.
0: <laughs> yeah. There, there, there is a like I said, it's almost like an odyssey of um or a journey into freedom. It, I do feel that he has Yeah almost like a transcendental moment.
1: That's what we wanted. That's what we were really interested in.
0: Did you give him a backstory to his there's, there's all these very sad intense scenes with his family where you kinda like, Oh, I this why this is how this is why he's wired the way he is. This almost I, I, I can see the
1: Yeah. I said se- we yeah, we It's funny, we, a lot of the time when we were trying to get the script in the right place, neither Anil or myself were very articulate about, it was just a sort of feeling of like, I think it's got to be more like this. But then a week or two before we started filming, we did sit down and I just asked Anil lots of quite specific questions like, where did he go to university? What was he like at university? Has he had a girlfriend? Um, when did he leave? How, you know, we, and then and Neil just told me everything. He <laughs> was like, I think he did this. And I think people think this about him. And blah, blah, blah. yeah, it was, suddenly it was really specific. And, um, and then we never talked about it again. We just did it.
0: How long were you shooting for? Because it feels so frantic
1: it was a 5 week shoot so uh. that's not bad for a film mm. um like like this one um it was yeah it wasn't too frantic it it felt quite um it felt like we had the time um and it was one of the it, it was as much as we possibly could and neil would keep me apart from Everything and then literally just drop me into wherever it was I was going to be, into a post office or a bank or a whatever. So I wouldn't know anything before we started filming. Um, I didn't. He kept me in another room, a, a separate from <laughs> the other actors, um, stuff like that. Um, and of course, once you've done one take. You start to work together and refine things, but we'd always did the first one, the first take, pretty much not knowing what was going to happen within the confines of you know the scene. But
0: um, how do you pick your roles and projects? Do you, is there a, is there anything in particular that draws you to things?
1: Sometimes it's like a desire to work with a director I've really admired. Um, sometimes it's very much something i don't even think about too much it's just an instinct of like yeah i can do this i i um i know what this is all about and so yeah it's uh, it's uh, i just make the decisions quite quickly i think um and if i have to think too much about it probably means it's not gonna be right if i start to ooh and r ah, or should i or shouldn't i but increasingly and um, Oh, yeah, I want to work on smaller films where you have freedom, you know, to do what you want. Um, That's what interests me Um, and people with voices of their own. That's really what gets me excited. I I really like working with someone who's very clear about what they want from you. (laughs) <laughs> it makes me really happy to be Yeah, to be In their vision of things And that thing of like you, Freedom within Structure uh, That That's that's my ideal thing Like someone like Yorgos Lanthimos um, It's a very Specific world, you know, you're going to be Inhabiting um, and you can only, you just have to give yourself over to it. Um, and the same with someone like Anil, in a, in a way, it's like, it's very specific. It's not, um, it's personal, I suppose, to them. It's a personal view of things. Does that make sense? How was Did it?
0: On, yeah, for sure. How was it on The Lobster, um, working with that kind of monotonous, monotone delivery that that he is it's very specific to him that there's almost deliberately no life in the delivery of a script it's just read really flat <laughs> yeah
1: um it was so interesting because we didn't on that film we didn't have any rehearsal any discussion your Gus didn't want to talk about anything at all um but you knew from reading it you had an instinct from reading it that it needed to be done in a specific way. And then I remember we all turned up at the hotel in Ireland where we were filming and everyone was like, so how, how what do we, what do you do? And how do we do this? And I remember Colin Farrell just saying, just do nothing, Ab- do absolutely nothing, <laughs> literally nothing at all. And that's what we all did, I think. And then, and you all got, anytime you tried to invent something or put something in there, he'd go, why are you doing that with your eyes? <laughs> Why did you do that with your arm? Just do nothing. Come into the room, say the lines, and leave. And it sounds so. Um, that sounds like such bad direction, but it was brilliant. It's brilliant because it's so. Um, again, the writing is. Well, it you know it th- that's the way it needed to be done, and of course it's not nothing. Like you, you actually end up. Doing lots of things, but it's not. Um, oh, it's hard to explain, but it's sort of a uh, something happens by not trying to do anything.
0: For sure, um, yeah. yeah. It's just not loud, but it's yeah. definitely there. Yeah. Oh, we've got. I've got to talk about a very British scandal. Okay. Yeah. I love Stephen. <laughs> I love Stephen Frizz. Yeah. Um, he's awesome. I think that guy is a genius. He can make anything if you look at his filmography, the different genres he's worked in is just really spectacular. I don't think that guy gets enough love. I think he's a total author who can just yeah. turn his hand to anything.
1: Yeah, I agree. Actually, he's amazing. He's, um, he's also like your in a sense of, um, doesn't say much, um, doesn't explain anything um, lets you get on with it and then we'll just make some tiny uh, correction you know or or give you a tiny note one thing maybe um, and that's all you need to know and then um, and then off you go. he also works I think a bit by making everyone a little uncomfortable. <laughs> A bit also like Yorgos does, um everyone's a bit it feels a bit chaotic, it feels a bit like yourgos isn't chaotic. Stephen feels a bit chaotic sometimes she's not sure if like anyone knows what they're doing um it and but I think he needs that environment to be creative in um yeah, it's interesting i think yeah I think he really is extraordinary actually. And again, it's all sort of done like he's not really trying. Um, But, you know, he's really working very hard.
0: Uh, Your monologue at the end in the court. Incredible. One of the best. I think that's my favorite performance of yours. Oh, thank you. How many takes did you do? That was just so moving and brilliant. I can't really remember, but I
1: think um, probably not many. I think, um, but you'd never did many takes with Stephen, like two or three max. Um, and what he'd get, he'd get excited. He'd get Stephen would get excited if he saw something, if he sensed like you were about to go go somewhere um, that he had not anticipated. And I think that happened with that speech. He was suddenly like, "Oh no, no, we need to get the camera here." And we need to do this and then we did one more take and that was the one that we i think they ended up using so he could see that i was something was i was going somewhere with that speech and then he made a little adjustment and then yeah we had it very kind of quick oh it's often works that way yeah
0: wow you make it sound so easy and you underplay it that was such an incredible performance uh
1: well, you know, also the writing's amazing. Um it's just there, really. Um But yeah, but sometimes, you know, you do have a sense of like, oh, uh something's happening, something's kind of coming through me. I don't know. It's yeah. sort of hard to talk about, yeah. But you I suppose those are the moments you live you live for. Um they make it worth,
0: and final question who are your favourite actors who do you admire past and present
1: um I'm always banging on about her and I'm far from the only person who loves her but I am obsessed with Jenna Rollins. <laughs> I think Jenna Rowlands and John Cassavetes in uh, those films are my gods really I, I just adore them um I'd say those two right now I, I if i ever feel like i need um yeah a bit of inspiration or a bit of like if i feel lost and don't know haven't quite got my feet on the ground on one particular day when i'm i'm shooting or whatever i'll i'll watch i'll watch them um and there's a great book of interviews with him which is like a a bible really it's so good if you need some sort of Acting, <laughs> you, you need, need to coach your, yourself. Um, I, I, I turned to him. Do you like their films, Stephen? Did oh, hell about, yes Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think
0: that's I'd, I, um, a woman under the influence, yeah, masterpiece favorite for me. Um, Love Streams, beautiful yeah. opening night might be my favorite, yeah. And I love Peter Bogdanovich's cameo in that, yeah. and I thought it was. I know that was after he, you know, there's that tragic story of his girlfriend being murdered. No. Oh, I know a little bit about this. I know a little bit about it. It's the basis of the films. Yeah, Casavetes was like, dude, you need to get back at it. You need to come back into the film world. And he was just like, I'm too, just, I'm far too fucking depressed to do anything right now. And I thought it was really sweet. He just, as a friend, he was like, come back out. You're with us. We're family. Yeah. And let's kind of get you out of this. And, back into the film world and Gloria I had a real reassessment with in lockdown yeah I loved it so yeah so cool it's really and wonderful the fact that, and the fact the kid he's just like a baby Casavetes character it he's was so great.
1: basically yeah
0: yeah <laughs> and he's just like shut up woman I'm gonna do it it was so great but it's hilarious. he didn't pander to him he just said no you know I'm gonna treat you like I would a yeah. normal a- actor yeah, But yeah, I have a thing where I always say with um, Robert R- Rodriguez, when he was shooting Machete, they said, why did you want to do it? And he said, well, I got a new camera that was super HD and Danny Trejo has a high definition face. <laughs> so every, every time when I watch Casavetes or I see Seymour Cassell or Peter Falk or Gina Rollins or... yeah. Sissy Spacek, um, Harry Dean Stanton's my hero. I'm like, uh, that's a high definition face. I love.
1: Yeah, he's another actor I absolutely adore. Yeah, that's a beautiful way of putting it. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: I know in my girlfriend in the cinema when we're at stuff- something BFI and I was like, high definition face right there. <laughs> you know, and they see someone like, like Warren Oates or Yeah or Shelley Duvall, or someone like that. I'm like, these are the type of faces that are very much missing from cinema right now, I think. Yeah. Just like those, those old school character actors, I just can't get them.
1: Or Ben Me Gazzara. Too. How
0: could I forget Ben Gazzara? Oh,
1: Ben Gazzara. Um, him in the killing of a Chinese bookie, that is a, such a beautiful performance. Awesome, yeah. Um. Yeah, he's a... Yeah, it's... um. It's a style that's um, you don't really get to see that often now.
0: I did with um, "Lean yeah. on Pete." Did you Did you catch that? The um... that's I haven't
1: seen that yet. It's the oh, um, Andrew Hay film. Yeah,
0: stunning. I got to see it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I got to see that. Yeah, that, I love that, his that. films.
0: Oh, I think 45 Years" is in in my top ten of all time for me. That was just well.
1: That's funny you say that. Because I think Charlotte Rampling in that film is one of my favorite performances. I think she's just extraordinary. I'm really inspired by her. <laughs> she she really does things to me.
0: Yeah, those were just knockout performances.
1: Yeah.
0: Even just seeing a middle-aged couple at the Sounds center true. of of just a really average middle-aged couple at the center of a film was really fucking great for me
1: me too uh i was very moved by that film yeah
0: and funny husbands i can't get i struggled with it in lockdown i think it was lockdown brain but i'm gonna go again one last time
1: husbands um i've only watched that one once and actually i think i did give that film to anil to watch <laughs> um and I think he was a bit nonplussed by it. But it, it's a tricky one. It feels like the one that's most about to completely fall apart, doesn't it? As a it's like they're barely, yeah. they're barely it barely it's they're just taking it to such an extreme that it feels like the whole film could collapse at any moment. Um but I I personally love it. Um, I need to watch it again too. Um
0: I think it's maybe purist Casavetes. yeah. But in that sense, he he's not holding anything back. But I did go yeah. a phase, go through a phase in early lockdown where I just couldn't, I I, I couldn't digest or absorb heavy movies. So may, maybe I'll. Oh give god, it me game.
1: too. Yeah, me too.
0: I just wanted like there's a time and Seinfeld. a
1: place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a time and a place for these things. They're not every day. Um, yeah.
0: I'm going to let you go, Ben. I should go. Yes. yes. I hope it's been... uh, Oh, this has been ah, great. Such a pleasure ah, talking to you. I've been such a fan of your work. So
1: this was really nice. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. And um, thank you for showing the film and uh, all of that. It's really brilliant.
0: Oh, we really love it, man. Keep up the amazing work. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye, Bye. there you go Ben Whishaw sure. what a beautiful man okay I text Neil to follow up on those movies that Ben was trying to remember it was The Ape Not The Mole from 2009 and the Iranian movie was Crimson Gold from 2003 if you want to do some further research and watch those there you go that's it from me As always, thanks to my engineer, Ewan Henselwood and Joshua Eustace, a.k.a. Telephone Tel Aviv, for all the beautiful music. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.